Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. <laughs> It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman and his guise of Clark Kent is accompanied by cub reporter Jimmy Olsen as, together, they rush with Sergeant Healy to Metropolis Hospital in response to an urgent directive from police headquarters. Gee whiz, what's happened here, Doctor? Where are Howard Jones and Bobby Lee? I, I don't know, Mr. Kent. What? What do you mean you don't know, Doc? They couldn't just, just dissolve into thin air? I know, Sergeant, but all I can tell you is that five minutes ago, the nurse assigned to them came running into my office and reported that both Jones and Lee were not in their beds, their rooms, or anywhere in the building. It's as if... as if they vanished. Gang, I'm sure all of us, at least once in a time or another, have played the sucker by making snap judgments. For instance, in sizing up new acquaintances, we take a quick look, maybe say hello and goodbye, and then think we know all about the fellow we just met. Well, it just doesn't work that way. Sad experience will teach you, if you haven't already found out, that you can't rely on snap judgments to tell how much you know about somebody. Suppose I decided I couldn't stand the guy who moved in next door for one of a number of senseless reasons. Then in a couple of weeks, we became real pals. The new neighbor turned out to be a swell guy, and I found out that my first impression of him was all lopsided. But see how foolish I would look to myself? Well, that shows that prejudging a man before you really get to know him is senseless. And another word for prejudging is prejudice. Both words mean that you've made up your mind in advance whether you will or will not like a person. So they're both senseless. Even when you make up your mind you don't like a guy because of his tie or because he squints all the time, those are your prejudices. But some people have more dangerous prejudices. They decide in advance that they won't like a fellow because of his race or his religion or the country his grandfather came from. They never really get to know the guy. Does that make sense? Well, certainly not. Because in the end, prejudice makes you lose out. For if you don't give every boy and girl a chance to prove what kind of people they really are, you wind up missing some very fine friendships with some very swell people. It's just as simple as that. And now, the adventures of Superman. When Superman saved the lives of Howard Jones and Bobby Lee, two members of Jimmy Olsen's Unity House track team who had been warned by intolerant hate mongers to withdraw from playground competition, he left the boys at Metropolis Hospital. 
Then, as Clark Kent, he set out to track down whoever sent the fearful warning symbols that threatened the two boys with a lifetime on crutches. Discovering that the miniature crutches which accompanied the warning notes were carved from wooden cases used to ship a soft drink called Fizzo, Kent, accompanied by Jimmy Olsen and Sergeant Healy, were on their way to visit the Fizzo bottling plant when a voice on the police car radio announced... Howard Jones and Bobby Lee reported missing from Metropolis Hospital. Investigate at once. As we join them now, Kent, Jimmy, and Sergeant Healy are staring at two empty beds in the room that had been occupied by the missing boys. A white-clad doctor stands with them. When did you first discover their disappearance, Doctor? Couldn't have been more than ten minutes ago, Mr. Kent. Do you think it's possible for a patient to just walk out of the hospital without being seen by someone? Why, no. Gee whiz, then... Then somebody must have taken them out of here. Now, who would do a thing like that, Jim, and why? Oh, whoever threatened them, Sergeant, and, and sent them those little crutches. Oh, now look, Great son. Scott! What's, What's the matter, what? Mr. Kent? Come out into the corridor with me, all of you. Hurry! What did you bring us out here for, Kent? I don't see anything special in this corridor. You will in a minute, Jim. Uh, doctor, do you have the key to this door? Why, well, yes, but this is the porter's broom and mop closet. I know, I know it is. Open it, please. I don't understand what you expect to find in here. Well, it better be good or... Holy smoke. Well, I'll be hanged. Two kids. Howard. Bobby. Hiya, Jim. Oh, boy. Please share. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The questions can wait until we get these boys back into their beds. Come on. There. Are you comfortable now, boys? Yes, sir. Good. Now, tell us what happened. Well, you tell them, Howie. Okay. Bobby here was in bed with his broken ankle, and I was sitting in that chair by the window, just kind of resting my bruises. When I looked down toward the street, and I almost fell on my face when I saw it was coming into the hospital. Who was it, Howie? Ralph Mason. No kidding. That's right, Jim. Howie jumped up and yelled, here comes Ralph Mason with a big husky man. And this time they'll get us. What made you think they'd come to get you? Well, Well, because it was Ralph who first threatened us and warned us to quit the Unity House team. That's right, Sergeant. He threatened Coach Thorne and me, too. I see. Go on with your story, Howard. Well, Bobby and I were both pretty scared. And how? Uh, so I helped him off the bed, and as soon as we got out in the corridor, we saw the elevator coming up. We were sure Ralph and that man were on it. Well, then we really got panicky. I saw that closet door open, so I dragged Bobby into it and then slammed the door shut behind us. And if you hadn't found us, we'd probably have suffocated in there. She was. Why didn't you open the door after a they while? They couldn't, again? Jim. They couldn't. There's an automatic snap lock on these closet doors that opens only with a key from the outside. Oh. Yeah, we found that out. Uh, Sergeant, look, we've got work to do on a certain clue, remember? Uh, that's right, Kent. Uh, Mr. Kent discovered those little crutches you fellas got as a warning were carved out of cases used uh, No to... time for that now, Jim. We'll keep you boys posted. Come on, Sergeant, let's get going. Uh, this is it, Kent. This old bottling company. Right, Sergeant. Come on, let's Holy get... Holy smokes. Look at that. Look at what, Jim? What it says on that sign under Fizzo Bottling Company. Huh? John and George Mason, proprietors. Well, I'll be... Isn't that... Sure. The... John Mason is Ralph's father. Hey. What a coincidence. Coincidence, my eye. I told you Ralph Mason knows more about what's happened to Howard and Bobby... Ah, than his... rubbish. Come on, Kent. Let's you and I go in and have a talk with Mason. Jim, you stay here. Oh, now, look, Sergeant... Don't argue, Jim. Don't argue. Let's go, Sergeant. <laughs> Oh, 
All we want from you, Mr. Mason, is a little cooperation. Oh, certainly, Sergeant. What can I do for you? Just give me a list of the customers to whom you deliver fizzo in case lots. A list? In case lots? Why, but, but why? Whatever do you want that for? Well, you see... Oh, we were just wondering. Uh, 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 by the way, Mr. Mason, I, I just remembered something I mustn't forget. Do you mind if I use your typewriter to make a note of it? Why? Why, no. Uh, help yourself. Thanks. Well, what do you say, Mr. Mason? You let me have that list? Well, uh, this is rather irregular. But it's very important to a case we're working on. Oh, very well, Sergeant. Under those circumstances, I, I guess I can't refuse. But I will need a few hours to copy the list you want from our books. Okay, let me know when you have it, and I'll send over for it. Ready to go, Kent? Yes, yes. I... Oh, I see you're pretty good at whittling, Mr. Mason. Those little figures on your desk are very interesting. Hobby of yours? What? Uh, well, no, no. My my brother... That the wood your fizzo bottle cases are made of makes rather good whittling, I guess. Uh, well, yes. Uh, yes, I, I suppose so. Come on, Kent, let's go. Okay, Sergeant. Uh, see you again, Mr. Mason. Soon, I hope. Yes, Sergeant, I'm pretty much convinced now that John Mason is the man behind the terrorizing of the two Unity House boys. So am I. I've been saying you that You keep all... out of this, young fella. Okay. Now, Kent, I think you're way off base. But if you'll give me two good reasons for suspecting Mason, I'll take him in for questioning. All right. Number one, Ralph Mason, John's son, threatened the two boys, as well as Jim and Coach Thorne. So what? I told wait a, you... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Number two, we find the little wooden crutches that were sent to Howard and Bobby as a warning symbol were made out of wood from a fizzo packing case. And that leads us to John Mason. Okay. Furthermore, I discover evidence of whittling as a hobby in John Mason's office. All circumstantial evidence. Nothing that any good lawyer couldn't knock into a cocked hat. Maybe. But here's something that'll hold up in court. What's that? A sample of the typing from Mason's office typewriter. Which, unless I miss my guess, will match the typed message attached to the miniature crutches received by Jones and Lee. How about that, Sergeant? Well, if it does match, you've got something, Kent. And on that evidence, I take him in. Good. Head for your police lab and we'll have your expert check it right away. Confident that he will soon have the unsportsmanlike Mason brothers behind bars, Clark Kent accompanies Sergeant Healy to the police laboratory, unaware that at this moment, new and serious trouble is brewing at the Mason's plant. We'll be back in a moment for the suspenseful climax of today's episode. So keep listening. Johnny has a broken front tooth. Johnny has two freckles on his nose. All boys with a broken front tooth have two freckles on their noses. It sounds silly, doesn't it, gang? Yet that's how some people reason. How many times have you heard a man say, all the Irish have terrible tempers? Ask him how he came to that conclusion, and nine chances out of ten, he'll say, well, Johnny has a temper, and Johnny is Irish, so all the Irish have tempers. Or if you ask a fellow why he insists that all Mexicans are troublemakers, he'll say, Manuel is a troublemaker, and Manuel is Mexican, so all Mexicans are troublemakers. That sort of reasoning doesn't make much sense, boys and girls. Not any more sense than saying that all boys with a broken front tooth have two freckles on their noses. You see, gang, all people aren't ever anything. Why, with the exception of some scientific facts about the human body, there isn't a single sentence you could say that would apply to all people. It can't be done. You see, characteristics that people have are the result of their own personal makeup and experiences and have very little to do with their race or religion. 
Some people of every group have bad tempers or are lazy or mean. On the other hand, some people of every race and religion are among those you would be lucky to have as your friends. Boys and girls, whenever you're tempted to say all instead of some, think twice and then say to yourself, Johnny has a broken front tooth. Johnny has two freckles on his nose. All boys with a broken front tooth have two freckles on their noses. Think how silly that sounds. Then think straight. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. As we continue now, John Mason is telling his brother George about the visit paid to their establishment by Clark Kent and Sergeant Healy. I tell you, George, things look pretty bad for us. Rubbish, John. You always were a crepe hanger. Don't be stupid, George. Why do you think they came here asking for a list of our taste lots customers, huh? Because they traced the wood those blasted little crutches were carved from, that's why. Do, do you really think so? Of course I do. And on top of that, uh, Kent, that newspaper fella, asked me very pointedly if wood carving was my hobby. Good heavens, one made him ask that. Because you stupidly left samples of your art all over this office? Well, how in thunder was I to know they'd come here? I don't know. But I should have known that Kent fellow was too smart. This is his fault, uh, this trouble we're in. No, no, it's that Olsen boy's fault, that's who. Ah, ridiculous. No, I tell you, it is his fault. He started all this trouble with Ralphie after Alfred Ralphie asked him to throw the Jones and Lee boys off the Unity House tea. So what? That only... I hate him, I hate that little rat. Don't work yourself up, George. I should have killed him instead of creasing his skull. That would have put an end to our troubles. Now, George, listen to me. No, I'm through listening to you. This time I'm going to finish it. George, George, come back here. I'm going to kill that Olsen boy, even if I have to hang for it. Viciously slamming the door shut in his brother John's pleas, George Mason climbs into his car and, with a cold, murderous look in his eye, drives toward the municipal stadium where he hopes to find Jim Olsen readying his team for the city championship track meet. What will happen? How will Clark Kent, who is Superman, learn of George Mason's determination to destroy Jim Olsen in time to save the young cub reporter's life? There's a thrill a minute in store for you tomorrow, gang, when we bring you the smashing climax of this story and the beginning of a new and exciting adventure. So don't fail to listen. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station, for more of the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom X and his Ralston straight shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.